Curiosity is not a sin, Harry, but you should exercise caution. He's a time strand. You're fraternizing with the enemy. There's the, um, the Cruciatus curse. We'll celebrate a boy who was kind and honest and brave and true right to the very end. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We're doing chapter 26, The Second Task. And it's a loaded chapter, there's a lot to it. And we have Julie here. Hi everybody. Julie is back. Uh, I'm excited to have her on for these two chapters because there's a whole bunch to talk about. Uh, And I've seen her notes and she has a lot to say on it. (laughs) But yeah, it's a pretty cool chapter. Uh, Just a quick rundown. We start off in Flitwick's class, which I know we both have some thoughts on. (laughs) We get some second task prepping, which I have a lot of thoughts on. Same. And the second task itself is in this chapter, so, and I know we both have a lot to say on that. Uh, so, yeah, so buckle up, everybody. Yeah, this, this is going to be a ride, for <laughs> sure. But to just start off with, uh, essentially start off this chapter with Hermione yelling at Harry right out the gate with, you said you had already worked out that egg clue. Okay, so the funniest part to me about this is, like, the fact that Hermione didn't know that Harry didn't have it figured out. Like, it's so against her, like, character as a person to not, like, know for sure that Harry... Like, you have known Harry Potter (laughs) for almost four full years now. Well, that's my thing. So is it more egregious that she didn't know that her one of her best friends isn't doing it? Or to... Not trust him to do it on his own because you've known him for three years now. Okay, but like... They're both egregiously bad. But think about like Hermione's personality type. There's nothing about her personality type that says she would just sit there and be like, oh, he's got it. He said he's working on it. Mm -hmm. He's got it. Like, girl, you have known him for almost four years. When has he ever done anything in a timely fashion? The answer is never. We've had three months since the last... Uh, task since the first task and presumably now we've seen literally uh we get victor crumb in one of our previous chapters they go by to walk in a haggards or whatever and they see him jumping off of the boat into the lake Mm -hmm. presumably crumb has been prepping for this second task for at least a month Mm -hmm. at least a month whining that he has to prep for the second task uh, well, you literally get quotes from him in this being like, well, you know, I had a week. I'll figure it out. Five days. I'll figure it out. Two days. I'll figure it out. And then you get an all-nighter here in this chapter. Yeah. Whereas all three of the other champions have literally been prepping this for, we can safely assume, at least a month. Yes. You're talking three seventh-year students who are all very capable in their own right, who are also, well, two of the three are definitely getting help from adult yeah. wizarding teachers they're gonna be well ready to go for the we're getting into the second yes. task already we're we're jump, we, we have a lot to say on the second Deep task breath, Stan. i know we're getting ahead of ourselves <laughs> uh there is still stuff in this class that i'd like to get to uh we've been very harsh on teachers i think jen and i on an earlier episode fired half the staff at hogwarts because let's be real uh and i know i've been defending trelawney but in also my defense of my defense, I've said that she should probably be fired as a teacher. So there's that. But here, 
in this chapter, we have a teacher who has thought far enough in advance that he knows banishing charms are going to be a problem. So what does he do? He makes them do it with pillows, so it'll be at least a soft pinging around the room against people. Can we do a nice round of applause? We love you, Flitwick. Flitwick finally had, and I mean, he's the head of Raven, Ravenclaw House, so you'd think he'd have the wits to be like, this might be a problem. Yeah. How are we going to solve this problem before it happens? Uh, so, Flitwick, you get the Best Teacher of the Week award. Woo! Congratulations to you, Phileas Flitwick. That being said, it still goes wrong because you have Neville in your class. Okay, but Neville appreciation moment. He is banishing things much heavier than a pillow. That's Granted, true. Granted, his aim is still off because he's going for the pillow. But <laughs> do, you, do you think? Do you think that's why, as he's sending Flitwick across the room, that Flitwick <laughs> and I'm imagining this, like his face is just a deadpan face, not anger, not like happiness. You can't even be like mad because you you're like, wow, look at him like flinging me across the room when it's supposed to be like, you know, this light pillow. Right. But at the same time, you're getting flung across the room. Right, exactly. So you're caught in this like, well, I can't yell at him because, I mean, he technically did this. Yeah. Just... The aim so is he's, So he's not getting an A+, plus, he's getting like a B+. Plus. And yeah. that's still great. Yeah. That's good. It's better than Snape would give him. True. So imagine getting Snape flung across a room by a student. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, so shout out to Flitwick for being a competent teacher. Uh, shout out to Neville for do, for having some success with the yeah. banishing. By the way, all of them did. Yeah. Hermione was flopping pillows perfectly every single time, lazily. Yeah. Uh, Ron, Loki was sending this thing flying across the room without, granted he wasn't hitting the target, but he was still f- sending yeah. it across the room fairly easily. Uh, meanwhile, Harry and all of his uh, excitement of telling these stories. By the way, we need to talk about him telling the stories. <laughs> but he was lazily like flicking his uh, wand and just like belly flopping. Yeah. But the one time he did it, I think he actually sent it into the target. Yeah, but my question is, is like, were they that good at it because like this wasn't like the first time working on it, or was it like That's really that easy? That's fair. Uh, yeah. I would assume, because we get so much dead space in these yeah. books, uh, I would assume it's probably their, like, third banishing charm class so, or something like that. there would have to be some type of, like, okay, let's talk about it, let's talk about the theory of it, how it works, and then it's like, all right, let's practice. Um, I, I do, because it's you and me talking right now, and we've talked about Harry's uh, lack of forthcoming information, right? Yes. He He holds a lot in until it's, like, the last possible moment, and then he just splurges all of these secrets. Yeah. He doesn't hear. He actually tells them about the discussion uh, he overheard between Moody and Snape, mm-hmm. which normally he would never do. He wouldn't do this until, yeah, like, chapter 30. Yeah, normally he waits until, like, you know, everything, like, blows up, someone's 10 seconds from dying, and he's like, oh, right, guys, by the way. Right. This happened. He doesn't hear. He actually lets them in on the conversation, which is an interesting comment. in the worst place possible. They literally, they make a point of saying in the book that, you know, this charms class was the perfect place to have a private conversation because everyone's having so much fun. Guys, you are still in a public space. Surrounded by a bunch of people. And Harry, you're famous on, like, a not Triwizard Tournament day. Like, people are still listening to you. Do we know who he has charms class with? It doesn't mention any other students in this scene. I don't 
think so. Because if it was Slytherins, they'd obviously be all over his every word just yeah. to come after him. I guess Hufflepuffs and Ravenclaws wouldn't really care as much, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Hufflepuffs aren't really the biggest fans of Harry. At the moment, at no. The moment. Although everybody seems to have, like... They've, like, mellowed out, but, like... Yeah. I mean, they mellowed out because... <laughs> They're like, we don't want him to win, to. but we also don't want him to die either. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, but I will take this point on Harry's version of events, because we've talked a little bit about how we are getting a very skewed... All of these books are from his point of view, mm -hmm. essentially. We're, like, looking at the world through Harry's eyes in his mind. And you can tell there's skewed storytelling in place here just by, like, uh, Snape, just the wording. Snape loathed Harry's father when they had been at school together. Like, Harry's painting a picture for you that Snape hates James in seemingly an irrational manner. Mm-hmm. That's not 100% the case. There were reasons for Snape yeah. to dislike James. Yes. Valid. <laughs> Harry's ignoring those reasons <laughs> and just things. But it's, it's just an example of, of Harry kind of turning the conversation to his point of view. Which we do also have to remember at this point he's a 14-year-old. Sure. Yeah. But we're, it's just a reminder that we're getting like, it's not an unbiased... Uh, true narrator. Well, yeah. We're, we're getting a biased narrator here, yeah. always. Uh, just, you know, food for thought. But anyway, uh, we get all of this second task prep. Uh, because, again, Harry has put this off for several months now and is just realizing, like, oh, this task can kill me. I should probably look into it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and I should probably, you know, that hint that Cedric gave me a month ago, I might actually should look into that because it might be helpful. <laughs> um, things like that. And we get some interesting options. Hermione is suggesting that human transfiguration might be the best option, but they don't know how to do it because you don't even learn it until your sixth year at Hogwarts, mm -hmm. which, you know, the other three students would presumably have had those classes and know what to at do. At least know it somewhat. At least have an idea. I also love when um, they talk about using a summoning charm again, and Harry explains to Ron what an aqua lung is. And they have an entire conversation about how you can't do that again because it would then have to be summoned out of a muggle shop, go zooming past the shop and down the streets, and Harry would break wizarding laws and be disqualified. Would that also be, like, there's limits. Like, I'd imagine a summoning charm, even though he's seemingly mastered it, there's still limits. Well, like, I don't know if there would necessarily be, like, limits if you're strong enough, but, like... Well, right, your power, like... He's not Dumbledore, so yeah. Dumbledore would probably have a pretty good summoning charm, and he could maybe get one out of a muggle town. But, like, your task is only an hour. Right. So, like, who knows how far away the nearest muggle town is. Who knows so, where like, the nearest aqua lung would yeah. be. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, like, you could literally be sitting there, and then all of a sudden, at, like, 59 minutes, you're like, whoo, got it, let's <laughs> go, guys. Also, it'd be great if they had Amazon. Just saying. Harry could have ordered this. Modern technology solves a lot of problems. Yes. Amazon would help. Google would help. Oh, yeah, because Google. they <laughs> rifle through so many books. So many. And they can't find anything. I mean, to be fair, if we look at some of the titles of some of these books they're looking in, I don't think they're looking in books that would be overly helpful. Half of them sound like they were written by Gilder Gilderoy Lockhart. You got some of the titles? I do, actually. Um, Saucy Tricks for Tricky Sorts. 
Um, weird wizarding dilemmas and their solutions are my personal favorite. Where there's a wand, there's a way. That one's a definite Lockhart title. Like, half of these books that they're reading, like, don't get me wrong. There's, like, Hermione reads one that's called, like, Old and Forgotten Bewitchments and Charms. That sounds sure. like it could potentially have some, like, weird thing that could be helpful. Or there's one about, like, medieval spells, which, like, yeah. You never know. more, like, scholarly. But, like, some of these books sound like the books that you're, like, I found the miracle diet. Read this <laughs> right. book and you'll magically lose 50 pounds. Like, that is not where they're hiding the answers to the Triwizard Tournament task. Really quick thought. Do you think they actually banned all of the Lockhart books from the library <laughs> after the second year? Do you think Dumbledore was like, nope, we're getting rid of all of them? I think they those. just got moved to the fiction section. Oh, nicely played. Yeah. Uh, Hermione does settle that a charm might be the best option, which sends her in the direction of some of those books. Uh, I think the weird Wizarding Dilemmas one is the one that ends up with, why would you want your nose hairs and ringlets <laughs> yeah. or something like that? That's what I'm saying. Like, you read these books and you see some of the spells and it's like, guys, like, I feel like you could have, like, read two pages in and been like, nope, not he helpful. Yeah. Or do none of these books have indexes in the back? Right. You can, like, look back and be like, oh, nothing says breathing underwater. Let's move along. I think this section is just made to be the most frustrating thing ever because to what you're saying like obviously none of these would work and there's got to be clearly ways you can figure out this isn't going to work quickly yeah and you're just wasting more and more time as you get to it it's like that anxiety building thing yes and i get some people are addicted to that and that's you know where you get serial procrastinators and stuff like that where you just put it off until the last minute and then yeah. you get your, your high off of completing it at the yeah. last second Guilty. <laughs> and that's fine. But when you're talking about a life and death thing, I want to have my ducks in a row, like T's crossed, I's dotted yes. for this well in advance and make sure I'm good. I also love that um, they so? point out that Hermione gets so frustrated with the library because it's never let her down right. before. <laughs> like, this girl has probably read almost the entire library already mm -hmm. and she can't find an answer. It's, I have problems with all of this prep. My biggest being that it took place like a week before the actual event uh, is a problem. Um, we do have a return from Hagrid to his class in amongst all of this. And Hagrid shows us glimpses. I think this is a good teacher chapter because Hagrid puts aside the scroots. He puts aside more dangerous uh, creatures than are appropriate for this age group. And he just decides to go with Grubbly Plank's predetermined plan of unicorns. And he pulls out unicorn foals, which are pure gold, which would be really cool to see. Yeah. And he he drops some facts on, on the kids that are really interesting. And I'm like, Hager, this is, this is your sweet spot. This is where you need to be. No one's saying you're not knowledgeable. You just have to, like... Play to your audience just a bit. And, you know, maybe save the dangerous ones for, like... Fifth year and up. <laughs> well, no, I'm not saying that you can't have it for, like, the, like, quote-unquote younger kids. But, like, you know, maybe save it for the end of the year. Or, like, just do one so it's an exciting, like, end well, to the semester. I could see that. Or if you know you're doing something particularly dangerous, like, let's say a hippogriff. Or, because it's Hagrid, let's say a dragon. Yeah have appropriate personnel there to help because I know you're a big 
big dude, but there were seven wizards per dragon yeah. at the first task. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe just... Or at least, like, work the students up to it. And there's like, no shame. You know, don't go from a unicorn to a dragon. Right. Like, slowly work your way up to animals that are more and more dangerous so that you're also essentially teaching the students to be, like, handlers with you. Harry does have a great idea, though. He, he thinks, wait a minute, I can ask Hagrid about creatures in the lake. But then he doesn't. And I think this would be... A, this I thought this was a great idea by Harry, because Hagrid, of any of the people on this campus, would know that what is essentially in the lake. And Hagrid wouldn't care about giving him pro tips on whatever's in there. Well, and it's like, one, Hagrid's already helped you, so like right. you know he would help right. you again, like, undercover there. But, like... It's also a very easy question to ask that's not suspicious. Like, oh, hey, what's in the lake? Oh, there's mer people? Like, what do you do when you run into a mer person? Right. Like, it's a very innocent conversation to have that doesn't, like, point any fingers back to foul play. You're in a care of magical creatures class? Yes. There's tons of openings here. Hey, I know we're talking about unicorns, but uh, that giant squid. And you know what? Even if you didn't want to play it that, in that innocently, you could still be like, so Hagrid, I know you want me to win this thing. I figured out the second clue. What you got on people? Yeah. <laughs> like, what you got on, like, any of this? Help, give me some info that I can, like, go back and marinate on. But he doesn't. He chooses not to. Because he's Harry Potter. And again, he withholds information or it, thoughts. We, that's true. I just like this is a great opportunity, mm -hmm. and it's and it's totally within your right. And I don't, I, you like you just said, there's ways you could do it and not have it count as cheating. Even. Yeah, especially when you're talking to Hagrid, who's the groundskeeper, so has to deal with the lake, and care of magical creatures. You're asking a question about creatures in the lake. Do you think? Uh, first of all, we don't know what classes Cedric is specifically taking. But if he was taking a care of magical creatures class, do you think he would take the opportunity to just be like, Hagrid? Well, you don't even know what, I guess, I can't imagine seventh years are looking at unicorns, although maybe yeah. they are now, because Hagrid's like a little gun shy. But yeah. I, I would think he would have the cleverness to be like, hey. I would think so. Well, I guess it's, I guess it would, then it would come down to cleverness. I think he would think to ask the question, but would he? I think Cedric would. I I think he would in the manner that you've laid out. Yeah, he would in the like, oh, hey, I was reading this thing about giant squids. And what happens if I was swimming one day and a giant squid Oh, that's interesting. You know, are there any other creatures that might, you know, attack in the yeah. lake? Or like what? It's not even cheating at that point. It's just like covering Curiosity. your bases. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, anyway. Um, it's doing research just in a different well, way. Well, and it's like, why not ask Hagrid? Clearly, Harry, you have no problem with cheating on all these tasks. Oh, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, <laughs> you best believe I got things to say about that. Anyway, um, so they're in their last night before the task, and they're binge reading more and more and more, and then Fred comes uh, with his great quote about, you know, I wouldn't mind putting my nose hairs in ringlets. That would be a conversation starter, which is correct, and that's why we all love Fred. Um, but he says that Ron and Hermione have been requested to McGonagall's office. And, you know, obviously, teenage anxiety, like, oh, she found out that they're um, 
you know, helping Harry figure it out and are they going to be in trouble or what have no, you? No, because they're never in trouble no matter what they do. <laughs> the three of them are never in trouble for anything. I do love how Harry never really puts it together. Like, isn't it odd that they never came back? Like, he never really puts that together. Yeah. He's staying up all night reading all these books, sneaks back into the library to try and read more books, and he, there is no part of him that has the thought of like, huh, isn't it weird that my two best friends who have been spending all their time like helping me trying to figure out how I don't die just aren't coming back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not even upset at it either. He's just like, meh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> going about my business. Uh, he ends up going through all of the books that he brought back to the common room from the library and then ends up Sneaking into the library later under the invisibility cloak to continue reading, pulls an all-night study session only to wake ten minutes from the start of the second task by Dobby. Also, how does no one come looking for him? Like, ten minutes before? Like, wouldn't you think there'd be some kind of like, all right, champions, you need to be here, Mm -hmm. like, and out, like, every single... Sport or extracurricular in every single school is the, okay, it starts at this time, but you have to be there at this time. Right. And if Send you're not the there at this time, to find them or something. you know, you have the, like, okay, everybody pull out your phones. Can somebody text them? Can anyone get a hold of them? No? Okay, let's go on their emergency contact, call their parents, see why they're not here. Maybe this is uh, just expected, because Harry was the last one to show up for the first task, too. Yeah. He was the last one to walk into the tent. Although, let's be real, safety protocols at Hogwarts are not top-notch, so... That is true. But, Dobby, uh, always looking out for Harry's best interests, uh, wakes him up, and luckily the cloak slipped a little bit in the night. So that's the only way Dobby can even see him. If the cloak didn't slip, then we are just in a Mm -hmm. whole bunch of trouble. Mm Mm-hmm. Does does he get disqualified if he doesn't show up for the test? Like, I mean, like... I mean... Or does he just get zero points? I would assume he just gets zero points, which essentially ends up disqualifying him, because, like, how do you come back from that? Yeah, I don't know that you can. Unless something happens in the third task that's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like... But I don't know. Uh, so, luckily, you know, you know, plot armor, uh, his, his cloak does slip, and Dobby does find him, and... Uh, Dobby essentially just gives away the whole thing. I mean, he's like, oh, uh, you gotta find your Wheezy. Which is adorable. But he's like, you gotta find your Wheezy. And then Harry puts together like, oh my god, he's talking about Ron Weasley. Oh, that's why Ron didn't come back. He's the thing I have to find Mm -hmm. at the bottom of this lake. Which also, can we talk about like this merfolk song of like, you know, once your time's out, they, they never come back. Like... Don't get me wrong. It's not like they knew in the beginning what was being taken from them. But, like, can you imagine now being, like, Harry and then being, like, oh, hold on. I don't know how I'm going to live and now Ron's gone? Well, so, especially that emotion combined with the fact that you're ten minutes away from the start of the task. You have no idea what you're going to do for that task. Mm -hmm. And you've been Mm -hmm. stuck on months. Not, I I shouldn't say months because you haven't worried about it for months. But... You've been stuck for the last week worrying about this in an anxiety state. Yeah, you're probably not thinking very well at this moment in time. Uh, but anyway, he's in a very heightened state. But Dobby just gives away the whole thing. He says to uh, that he's got to find his wheezy. And he gives them the gillyweed because they couldn't find the book, but he could. 
really quick. So he gives him, not only finds the book, finds the answer, but actually goes and gets the actual ingredient of gillyweed. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't tell him what it does. Dobby just does everything here. And after Dobby essentially tells him who he's got to find and what he needs to go find that person, uh, Harry bolts down towards the lake for the second task, gets there right as, and by the way, I love how he gets there. You're like, you good? You know what you're going to do? Great. Three, two, one. Also, what I want to know is when Bagman like, asks him what he's going to do, what would have happened in that minute if Harry was like, no. Like, Bagman's been willing to help Harry for this whole time. That's true, but and, I think... And, like, Harry hasn't wanted to take him up on it. So, like, if Harry was like, yeah, not a clue, bro, would he have, like, whispered a charm to him? True. I think that's his only option at that point, is, hey, you might want to use this bubblehead charm. Yeah. The problem there, then, lies... That's not guaranteeing Harry can pull off that charm. Well, true, but, like, I feel like... If he said no, seeing how Bagman's been in the rest of the book, he's always been like, I can help you out, bro. Um, Do you think he puts the bubblehead charm on Harry? Like, right then and there? Like, just right as he goes in the water? But I feel like he would be like, oh, he needs a minute to collect himself. And then, like, gives him a little, like, pep talk. Quote unquote pep talk? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I love how. So I've been on this mini rant about how the lake, this is February. This is February 24th, and you're jumping into a lake. Why did they make this task at this time? Like, it literally makes no sense, because even if you, like, go, okay, like, there's probably some spell, potion, charm, whatever, that could help you not get hypothermia, why would you have four teenagers diving into a lake in February in the UK. Yeah. There's uh, there's a lot of issues there. Yet, like I said before, Crumb has been training for this. I don't know that Cedric or Floor have been yeah. taking dips in the lake or whatever to like mentally prep for this. Which, by the way, it does take prep. It takes a lot of prep. You can't just jump into near-freezing water and expect no actual result. Like, it takes all of your breath away. Yep. This does not go well for a lot. Forget the hypothermia part of it. Just trying to catch your breath Yeah. is hard. So I, I think uh, this is a side tangent, but uh, on Disney Plus now, there's a Chris Hemsworth special on Nat Geo. Oh, yes. And one of his tasks is to swim in, like, Norway in a lake just, like, 100 meters to mm-hmm. a buoy. It's not easy. He goes through a lot of training, and it's Chris Hemsworth. He's in fantastic shape to begin with. He's very dedicated. This is his only job to do for a show. And it's still very, very hard. And they had paramedics there. They had all kinds of uh, medical people there to help. But these four teenagers are fine. Well, not only that, but Harry himself is just not prepared for any of this because he was right late. Because he didn't prepare for any of this. He didn't prepare for any of this. So... He's wearing his regular robes. Well, that's because he woke up 10 minutes before the... Right. I think the I think they said that Crumb is in swimming trunks. Mm-hmm. I would think Cedric's also in swimming trunks. They do mention later that Floor is in robes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what type of robes those would be, but I would assume she'd be better. Maybe she was not prepared for this at all. 
Did she struggle with her clue? Maybe not with the clue, but I think she struggled with what was in the lake. It seems like she had a couple of issues here. I don't yeah. think she dressed appropriately for this task. Mm-hmm. If she knew ahead of time that it was lake-related, she should yeah. have dressed more appropriately. And clearly she was not prepped for, uh, I don't want to say water combat, but which we can get to in a second, too, because I do have a comment on her not finishing. But uh, anyway. So we get all the champions lined up there. Uh, obviously, we just talked about them not being pre- uh, prepared properly for the freezing cold. We do learn that Percy has stepped in as a judge oh, joy. for uh, Bartimius Crouch. Um, and he's taking some interest in um, this particular event, which we'll find out why a little later on. And then we get to Harry's journey here. Harry's journey through this task. He takes the gillyweed, okay, and he notices like a pillow covering his nose and mouth, which is essentially what I'm assuming to be like a water filter of some sort, so he can like take it in and breathe. I took it to mean that, um, so when I read it, I took it to mean that he could no longer breathe the air because that's this when he feels that sensation. He is also when he feels the gills. And then right. once he gets into the water, he says that he can, like, breathe again. So I took the invisible pillow, meaning, like, he was feeling like someone was smothering him, which is what you'd kind of feel like it's like, a fish in water. Yeah. I don't know. I, I felt like... Because uh, he still needs to, obviously, intake water. Yeah, so it's like a... the gills would. Right. So I guess I was assuming there was a function of it, other than just you can't breathe. Outside yeah. of water now. But I guess it could just be that. Yeah. Anyway. So the gillyweed uh, sprouts gills, sprouts webbing in his hands and feet, elongates his feet, so they act as long, essentially, like, uh, deep water flippers, uh, free diving flippers, and uh, makes him a little bit more impervious to the cold nature of the water. Wow, what a perfect solution Julie, I have issues with this. <laughs> now, I, like, it's a do-all thing. And I'm I'm sorry. If it's a do-all thing, it should have been in one of the books they found. I it, would a think thousand so. of books. Also, speaking of all these books, I don't think any of the books that they looked at were potions. Potions or plants. Yeah, wouldn't you None think that you would look in a book to see if there was anything that could mm-hmm. do any... Like... There's not a potion that can help you, like, right. not drown? I feel like there's a lot of options that they missed here. I'm a little disappointed in Hermione. But luckily they had Dobby to find the perfect thing that covers him on literally every possible mm-hmm. base. Mm-hmm. Except his own stupidity, but... It, it, <laughs> to me, I feel like this is kind of cheap, honestly. And it would have been better if... This is me correcting J.K.'s Rowling. As much as much as I liked her writing with the Moody and Snape discussion, mm-hmm. this is lazy to me. Because if it just sprouted gills, fine. He can now yeah. breathe underwater. I'm good with that. But now he still has the problem of swimming underwater, and now he has, still has the problem of it being really, really cold. Yeah. Even if it sprouted web. Like, yeah, like, I think there's just too much. You didn't have the like temperature adjustment mm-hmm. because I'd give it to you if it was like okay, if you eat this, 
like you then get gills and the like webbed hands and feet but the flip side of that is like it, it sounds more like it should be a potion than a or, plant or in combination with a potion yeah yeah um but again like if there's only like 10 minutes before it's not like dobby can come in and be like oh hey by the way brewed this potion for you bro yeah um so i mean like i agree it is a little bit like i get the gills writing i get the webbed hands but the elongated feet seems unnecessary and yeah. the, and the the frigid water tack on is that's come on uh yeah so you literally have him as Superman under the water now. Like, he has no weakness under yeah, this task. I mean, I can give, like, a slight leniency on it in a spoilery kind of way that we can talk about in a little bit, but... Um, Fair enough. I, I agree. I think it is a little... It's too much. It, it's a little lazy. It's just too much to have, like, a solve-all solution is, yeah. is lazy to me. I, I would have like rather it. it been that, like, the gillyweed almost did what the bubblehead charm yes. does, where it's like, you know, oh, chew this, like, root, and if you blow a bubble, it can fit around your head, and you can use right. it. I mean, that's ha- so, a lot harder for a house elf to explain, um, which, again, like, getting into a little spoilery of why that wouldn't have worked, but... We'll get into the bubblehead charm, too, in a second, as we talk about the other participants but i am stuck on harry here so we're just going to keep going with harry uh i am going to sound like a major hater in this i'll probably join you dan uh so pardon me if you're like super harry potter like fans but i'm going to hate on him for this chapter uh he does get attacked by three grindelows to his credit he does figure out a way to get rid of them fairly fairly easily and in well formed so good on him for that i'll give him credit for that but then, out of nowhere, Myrtle appears, Moaning Myrtle appears in the lake, literally points him in the direction that he needs to go. Literally, like, you need to go over there. Mm-hmm. Swim over there. I can't, by the way, this is a whole other side tangent, I can't go over there because they chase me away. I have a whole side tangent on that. How does a ghost get chased from anywhere? <laughs> I don't understand. Do, does people have, like, specific magical abilities to deal with ghosts how does it work i don't know how do they make her go anywhere think about it though it's like myrtle so like they could like taunt her scare her i suppose but then just uh, but like okay so i know that you did compliment harry on getting rid of the grindelows but dude fumbled for his wand it is pointed out that he fumbled for his wand and harry how many times do we need to tell you that when you are going into a dangerous situation Wand at the ready. Yep. yep. Wand at the ready. Like, did you think you were just going for, like, a swim in the lake? I, I, the only thing... You're right, and I agree with you 100%. The only thing I could think of to be the reasoning why he would, quote, fumble for his wand is now the webbed hands are weird, and now he has to grip the wand differently. Yeah, but what you think? You'd go for your wand right away? I don't know. I think you'd have your wand, and then you enter the water, is how you should do it, which is to your point. Yeah. But... Well, and I also feel like this is, like, the vaguest task that has been set and that, like, without giving any spoilers, will be set. Because it's essentially, hey, get in this massive lake, find your thing within an hour. With things trying to attack you. Yeah. But, like, they don't, like, it's just, go. Cool. Yeah. 
my big thing with that is not only is it vague, but you get what I deem is a very harsh time limit of an hour. Yeah. That's a harsh time limit. Mm-hmm. And I get that nobody wants to be standing out in the cold. And for, well, I guess it also must be like, let me backtrack. I don't even think the other participants here, Crum or Floor or Cedric, presumably do not have this immune to cold water trick that yeah. Harry does. Honestly, I don't even think they could survive an hour in a lake in February. I don't even think, I think that's a little unrealistic in itself. I think they all die in like I mean, less than a half hour, yes. probably. But like, it is the most vague task. It, like with the dragons, it was a very specific, get the egg, retrieve it, get it away. Yep. Um, and whereas this is like, okay, same thing as the dragons, except underwater in this massive lake, yeah. Somewhere. Yep. At least with the dragons, it's like, oh, gold. See it. Got it. I don't know if there's like... I'm assuming not. I'm assuming not because Hermione has Ooh. read Hogwarts of History. So I'm assuming that there's nothing in Hogwarts of History about a merpeople village in the lake. But think about it. There's a whole village. Think about how large this lake has to be. And you are mm-hmm. giving these four teenagers an hour. That's a big note for me. I mean, this yep. whole this whole task is a big note for me because I don't do deep water and I don't swim. But if you're listening to this <laughs> and wondering why Julie and I have a lot of problems with this task and this chapter as a whole, just you wait because we have more. Yes. We haven't even gotten to some yeah. of these yet. So buckle in and bear with us. So anyway, uh, so Myrtle points him in the direction. We didn't even talk about the ghost being chased away that much, but that's fine. Um, the Mersong is updating the status. The new Mersong yes. is now updating the time, increasing the pressure. Which, I mean, I guess like is also a good thing, because I know that I was just complaining about how it was a very vague task. But, I mean, I guess there are the Mer people, so when you get relatively close, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, playing the, like, you're getting warmer game because, you know, you just hear them louder and louder. So at least, like, you know the general direction. But, mm-hmm. like, imagine if you, ne- like, if Myrtle never showed up. Yeah. And Harry turned the opposite way. Right. Like. He's not, yeah. This whole thing ends. Oh, not only that, he, do they go in and get him if he just doesn't? That's my other question. Well, like, I guess. The... Do they eventually just, like. Well, the gillyweed would wear off at some point. Yeah. So he then... would have to come up for air. Uh, would he? Or... Well, then you got other problems. Yeah. Then Harry Potter just died in this event. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, I, speaking of the Murtown really quick, I love that I did laugh at the idea of, like, a pet Grindylo in a weed-like lawn. Yeah. Like, they have, like, literally, like, like SpongeBob SquarePants, like, set up in yes. this Murpeople, like, village. Uh, appreciate that. So, the hostages. We get Ron is obviously Harry's. Hermione is Crumb. Cho is Cedric's. Uh, Floor's sister is the captive for her. And per Harry and his hero complex, which does get called out later, he attempts to free multiple people. Okay, but in Harry's defense, three of those people could belong to him. If he was never told that Ron was his person, he could go down there and go, okay, so it could be Ron. Yep. Or it could be Hermione, my other Very easily, yep. Or... It could be my crush that I didn't know everyone knew about. Yep. So three of these people, and I mean, like, listen, process of elimination, he'd be able to figure out who was for who, but, like, when you're under time crunch, 
you are underwater. Yeah. Like, and you're looking at it, like, wouldn't you think you go, okay, well, at the very least, Ron and Hermione, but, like, also, the girl that, like, I want to date, it would look pretty neat if I saved her. Mm Mm-hmm. And then at that point, like, if you're already saving three out of four, you might as well save the last one. Yeah, and and that's where I think his hero complex comes in the most, because he, to your point, he does have a connection to the three. Mm -hmm. He has no connection to the four, and he waits there and tries to save her, even though he has zero connection to her whatsoever. Yeah. So... She's also, like, a literal child, too. Right, right. So Harry's got a complex going on, but you have Cedric come up to him next... And he's using the bubblehead charm, which I do like the description of the bubblehead charm and like his face being distorted yeah. because of the like reflection. That's nice. Uh, but he's like, "Hey, we gotta go. Like, Crumb and Floor aren't too far behind me. Like, we gotta get out of yeah. here." And then he like gets Cho and goes. Yeah. Well, I think the thing that's like that irritates me about like Harry's hero complex after Cedric like shows up is Cedric says like. Crumb and Floor are right behind me. Like, go. Yeah. And so it's like, again, logic is not Harry's strong suit. But, like, first of all, like, they're on their way, so they're coming soon. Second of all, do you really think that they're just all going to die? Yeah. Yeah. Then again, it's Hogwarts. We've talked about their safety protocols. Maybe they would. I suppose it is plausible. But, like, also, did the four of them sign off on this? My bigger question is, did Molly Weasley sign off on this? <laughs> can you imagine how ticked the... Can you imagine... Dumbledore gets a howler? Yes! That's exactly where I was going. Dumbledore's... Albus definitely gets a howler after this, oh, yeah? A thousand percent. Oh, he gets told off. 100%. percent. Oh, I want to hear that so bad. I, I did have a thought, though, just now that occurred to me. So, to free Cho, Cedric pulled out a knife from his pocket. Which gives me two thoughts. One, he clearly planned ahead as far as like having something in his pocket that could yeah. that could free someone or whatever. So thought ahead on his part. But the second bit is it's a knife, not his wand. Wouldn't a wizard think to use his wand first as far as cutting instead of a well, knife? Unless like I would say an argument could be made that like you don't necessarily know how a spell would go underwater. Because, like, would the current, not that there's really, like, currents in a Well, you see yeah, Harry like, struggle with it, because he couldn't yeah. say the spell right, and it didn't really react the way he thought it would. Yeah, and so could it be that he was like, you know what, I'm going to bring this with me, because, like, maybe I dropped my wand, or maybe, um... That is thinking way ahead. Like, that's... Okay, listen, we know that I'm here frequently for Cedric's slander, but... He's intelligent enough to think ahead of, you know, it's a lake. What's usually in a lake? Like seaweed. Seaweed that can wrap around you and like, you know. No, I like your you thought. You could be stuck, you could drown. And... If you can't get to your wand for some reason, you need a secondary option. If it's just I don't even know how many wizards even have knives. Okay, Harry does. He literally talks about how when He, he just got one from Sirius that has got magical one from abilities. Sirius. Yeah. And um how like useful it would be and so i don't know i feel like it makes sense that he would like think like oh hey i might need something in case i get like tangled like it's kind of like basic water safety when my husband and i go canoeing or kayaking like he always has 
pocket knife on him in case like if we flip over and if something gets trapped in like the seaweed so that you can right. cut out because otherwise like you get stuck and then you're dead yeah no it was just interesting to me because you almost never hear of wizards using muggle objects to get out of a situation and, yeah. and here he thought of it which it just caught me as like oh, that's an interesting detail at yeah. least but anyway um so cedric gets cho and bolts then you have crumb uh come through with a shark head which remember now crumb's description because we all have the image that looked awesome in the movie of uh, okay cgi in whatever year it was wasn't great yeah but the idea of like a bigger, bulkier crumb with a like a great white head comes yeah. through and snaps the vine and goes yeah. up. Remember, that's not this crumb. This crumb is small, is skinny, bird-like, and now he's turned his bird-like head into a, a kind of a misshapen shark head, mm-hmm. uh, which at least lets him breathe underwater. So I mean, that's technically success. Yeah. Um, but he. he can't bite through the the vine because of the way that shark head is shaped. So um, Harry ends up giving him a rock to help. Yeah, the cut. rock that he used. Yeah. So, but then Crumb's like, "Cool, peace," and he like just goes straight up with Hermione. And now you have Harry sitting here uh, trying to get the two. Fleur never comes. Mm-hmm. He ends up rescuing both Ron and Fleur's sister. Ron. Uh, comes up with the quintessential line of, I hope you didn't waste time down there acting the hero, which, of course he did. And I do like Harry's retro, uh, like retrospective of like, oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> and then uh, Floor we know, gets attacked by Grindelows and couldn't continue. Now, here's my thing on, because people are like, oh, Harry got through Grindelows and she couldn't. Here's my thing. Uh, and I will defend Floor a little bit on this. We don't know how many... Grindelow, she got attacked by. Mm-hmm. Harry got attacked by three in succession, not at once. Yeah. So, Fleur, for all we know, could have gotten attacked by ten, by fifteen, well, and by it more. Says that she's like completely scratched up all over the place. So she could have gotten overwhelmed by Grindelow, especially if Harry went by that specific area first, ticked them all off. Yeah. And then the next one to come by. Well, and my question is, is because it says that. <clears throat> like she couldn't continue so like was she so injured that she went back up to the surface or is there someone like reporting because can we talk about how boring this task is to watch as a spectator yeah like you don't know what's going on in there and so like what you're just sitting in the stands for an hour waiting for someone to like yep. So I don't know. So here's my thought process on how it should work. I'm not saying this is how it did work. How it should work is you have the Mer chieftainess getting reports from Mer people spread throughout the lake. She's getting reports. She's relaying them to Dumbledore. Dumbledore is relaying them to Ludo, who's then broadcasting it. That's how it should work. I am not not, saying that's how it works. Because it sounds like. What happened was they all just sat there. Yes. And then at the end is when Dumbledore got the lowdown because yes. after that little talk happens, Dumbledore's like, "All right, we all need to talk." Yeah. No. I. Yeah. How it should have gone and how it did go two different things. Like, can you imagine being a spectator and just for an like over an hour, pretty much? So, do you think that the Mer chieftainess witnessed? Fleur being attacked, realized, oh, she's not getting away from this, and then had to intervene and bring her up That's to the what top. I'm wondering, like, is someone like watching? Because 
Because the Mer people were intervening. I mean, yeah. they, they were stopping Harry from doing certain things. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 you can't do that. So, maybe. I mean, they seem obviously competent enough to have... They've clearly struck a deal with Dumbledore and the ministry officials yeah. to, uh, A, allow this to even take place in the lake. Yeah. And, B, to have a central role in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, they've clearly Especially struck a... They seem to have almost like a fear of magic from, like, when correct. Harry does yeah. actually, like... That was another interesting detail. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But it just seems so, like, bizarre to me. Like, how, one, how did Floor, like, did Floor essentially, like, wave the white flag and, like, she gave up? Or was it, you know, someone's down there watching? Because, like, also, like, you know, Harry did the gillyweed and it says that while he's bringing up um, Floor's sister and Ron that, like, the effects start wearing off. So, like, what happens if that happened in the middle of the lake where right. it's just, like, the Grindylows? Right. So, is it just, like, huh, weird, it's, uh, it's been an hour and a half and we haven't seen him. Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a problem. I, that's where I imagine the Mer people would, like, step in. Yeah, I just feel like there was some details in this that... I, I, J.K. got a little lazy in this chapter when talking about the task. Well, we have not. We've been no. angry this entire chapter. We still have one big thing to talk about, and I know we're running long, so we're going to make this fairly quick. But uh, the champions, the champion final marks here. Mm-hmm. We got Floor used the bubblehead charm herself, uh, didn't complete the task, as we just discussed, because of the Grindylows, so she gets 25 points. Which, like, I don't know. 50 is total, so this is out yeah, of 50. So she got still, half, 50%. She, like, didn't complete the task. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, but, like, you did a good charm, so half credit? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm in the Teachers middle. Teachers out there, let us know what your thoughts are on this. Like, would you give half marks when, like, you didn't actually, like, finish anything? Yeah, so my, I'm in between. I get giving something, but, like, half. She definitely deserves something, because, A, we don't know how far into this she got attacked, because if Cedric just said floor is right behind me yeah she probably made it fairly deep into this task before getting had to submit yeah we don't know how she performed against the grindelow she could have fought like several leaves off and then got yeah so i mean you know i mean there's things she could have done that we just don't know about true so she'll get to 25 i i don't agree with floor that she should have gotten zero because she like i just said she could have done things that merited some and she still did the bubblehead charm successfully correct uh, Cedric also did the bubblehead charm. He was the first to return, albeit a minute outside of the time, which I still think is great, considering I thought one hour was ridiculous. Yeah. So I think Cedric did great. He got 47 points for this, which I feel is fair. Yeah, I feel like that's a very small, like, time reduction. Yeah. I mean, you look at the Olympics and you look at, like, overtime and they yeah. get, like, little deductions. That's fine. So I'm fine with Cedric's score. Crumb used an incomplete but effective uh, form of transfiguration, finished second, got 40 points. I'm okay with 40 points for, uh, yes, it was incomplete. It was a little, uh, it didn't look great, but it worked. So, I mean, check. Uh, Now, Harry, using Gillyweed, finished well beyond his time. And I get the moral fiber argument of trying to save everyone. I do. I do. Full marks would be absurd, okay? Yeah. Let's just toss that one out. I think he should have been tied with Crumb at yeah. 40. I think that would have been more fair to Crumb, who 
did all this on his own, mm-hmm. essentially. Now, I'm not saying he, like... Oh, this... I mean, like, they were all outside of the time. So if you look yeah. at, like, Cedric would have had, like, a perfect score if he made it on time. Right. Like, if you look at it that way, like, that's saying that the most that Crumb and Harry could have gotten was 47. So you're saying that Harry only loses two points right. when he was the very last one out. By a wide margin. Yeah. Yeah, so I I say Harry gets his credit, but should have been tied for second with Crumb at 40 points total. Yeah. Harry got the Harry Potter bonus. Yes. Uh, really quick, third task is set for June 24th, which is super, super late uh, to me. Um, and they get a one-month heads-up as to what that task will involve, uh, which is interesting to note. I know we're running really, really long, so I'm just going to wrap up this. Not We'll talk much more about all of this in the spoiler section, but I just want to finish the non-spoiler section with Harry Potter. We, you know, we talked about Floor, Crumb, and Cedric being older students, being better equipped for this Triwizard mm-hmm. Tournament, right? But Harry did a, a miraculous job getting through the first task. Fair. Harry Potter had no business, zero business competing in this second task. Uh, yes. He did nothing. He also didn't even know if the Gillyweed would work. Like, he's never heard of this. He had no way to look into it to, like, find out what it is and just, like, went with it. And then, to top it all off, he, it literally says at the end of chapter, at the end of the chapter, Harry thinks he didn't have to worry about anything now until June 24th. He has learned nothing. He literally says, I don't have to worry about anything. No, 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 sir. You have to start worrying about it a month in advance when you find out what it is. And you should be prepping for this, like learning some magic, learning some magic that can help you. Talk to your teachers, get any information you could possibly get generally about magic. We're up against it. I just want to clear on the thing. (sighs) Harry had no business competing in this task. I agree. None whatsoever. We will continue this conversation in spoilers. Thank you for listening to this very long non-spoiler, but we got more coming up. We'll be right back. Kill the stag! All right, so we are back with the spoiler section of Chapter 26, the second task. We've calmed down a bit, but we are going to get riled right back up again very quickly. Yeah, we're still doing deep calming breaths. Uh, This is one of the chapters that I was actually angry reading because I'm like, we've talked a little bit about Harry having some help before and this is to an absurd level in just one chapter. Yeah. I mean, he does nothing himself except actually swim. <laughs> like the I mean, you could even argue that he doesn't even entirely swim by himself because with the gillyweed he gets fins, which I mean like he's still doing the movements, but like right. his swimming's enhanced. So If you think I'm being harsh on Harry in this second task, literally, let me recap. He pushed off all of this for months. He ignored a hint from Cedric for at least one month. Mm -hmm. He got help from Moaning Myrtle figuring out to put it in the water. He got help from Moaning Myrtle figuring out what this all meant. He gets help from Ron and Hermione trying to figure out what this all means. He gets help from Dobby with the magical mystery item that solves every problem he could possibly have in the lake. He gets help again from Myrtle, pointing him in the direction to where he needs to go while he's in the lake. He does nothing on his own here. No, nothing at all. And, like, he also misses opportunities to, like, ask anyone else who can help. He doesn't talk to Hagrid about what's in the lake. And something that we kind of skipped over in the non-spoiler section, he's still corresponding with Sirius. And at no point... 
Does he go like, hey, you went to school at Hogwarts. Do you know anything about this lake? He specifically notes that he forgot to ask him about the, the second task. Because, because he had to gossip. <laughs> exactly. Like, Harry with this task is like, almost like a preview of Harry in book five, which I affectionately call Harry Potter and the Teenage Angst. But That's a fair title. It is. I disagree with your overall assessment, but that is a fair title. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I feel like with the second task, like, Harry's just like, you know what? I didn't put my name in the stupid goblet of fire. I didn't do it. I don't care. I'll figure it out when I figure it out, like I always do, because I'm Harry Potter. Well, and to figure it out, like he always does because he's Harry Potter, he gets a lot of help from a lot of people. And I know we both had that note, and I took the opportunity of like, this is a glowing example of why Dobby is a low-key MVP of this entire series. Mm -hmm. He saves Harry Potter a lot. In very dire situations, he saves him a lot. I get he almost killed him a couple of times in Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> the intent was there. Accidentally. Yeah, the intent was there. But... Dobby has big moments throughout this series where he stands in the way of Harry Potter and death. In one moment, quite literally. Yeah. So, and, and I, I, there's examples. Uh, you're a big serious person. Mm -hmm. Sirius stands in his way. And, you know, stands between him and death. Yeah. Lupin. James and Lily. Uh, Dumbledore. Snape. Ish. Like, they all, <laughs> I mean, literally he did. He was all like, right. you go downstairs and be quiet. I'm going to well, take yeah, this shot to the chest. Fine. Literally, you have person after person after person dying instead of you mm -hmm. so that you can live another day yeah. and be Harry Potter. It's, I know we're being harsh on Harry, but... but... You know what? Every once in a while, Harry deserves it. And I think this is one of the instances because, like, I get it. It's a lot of pressure on a 14-year-old, especially when you know that, like, danger is looming. Um, in like multiple facets, you know that, but at the same time, like, you know that you're in this magical contract for this competition, that the competition literally stopped because people died. Yeah. And for some reason you decide to like be a flake about it and you have the smartest witch as your friend that like, I get it. You're not supposed to ask for help. Like, Clearly, you're already getting but, like, her help. You've so. already taken help from literally anyone who, like, literally someone you never met could be like, hey, I actually know what's going to happen. And you'd be like, well, I mean, if you tell me, but I'm not looking at you, it's not cheating. We give Flitwick some love in the non-spoiler part, as he deserves. But do you think Flitwick, after that first task and him using the summoning charm, was going around the teacher's lounge like, I just taught him that charm! <laughs> I just taught him that! <laughs> It's all was me, it guys. That, or was it like, guys, I swear it was in my lesson plan before we knew what the challenge was. <laughs> yeah, it was probably a little <laughs> you know bit of both. I mean? But like, well, you, you have, know, you have... you've pushed it off so much. And just because of pure, well, not pure dumb luck. It's because the whole thing is a setup. Like, I think the only thing that could have been like more obvious, all of Harry's help is like a massive setup scheme so that he like does well and wins is if it was like, a mer person came up to him and was like, come with me to your friend and just like brought him up and like untied Ron. For Here's him. my like, pitchfork. No. Use it to cut the vine. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you can't do it here. Let me do it for you. Yeah. Like it 
going back, like, I know we were talking about, like, lazy writing with everything that the Gillyweed does, but, like, the whole chapter and second task and how it plays out is such lazy writing compared to some of the, like, genius writing that J.K. Rowling has done at other points in this book. Just, like, a couple of yeah, chapters like ago. not even that long ago that, like, has some, like, brilliant writing, and then she gets here where it's like, oh, it's second task, and we didn't figure out anything. How do we... Okay, Myrtle will show up. Myrtle will point him in the direction, but she can't go any further, but she put him in the right way, and we have someone who gives him this magical plant who just so happened to know where they found it, but doesn't say where he found it, like... Yep. Clearly, Julie and I have issues with this chapter. <laughs> Please don't hate us. Please don't hate us. <laughs> we obviously like Harry Potter. That's why we're sitting here talking about... <laughs> The books about his, you know, uh, trials through Hogwarts. But this just bothered me on every level. Because for those that might be saying, like, oh, Harry clearly deserves a seat at this table. He's a talented wizard to compete in this with Floor, Crumb, and Cedric. No. No, he's not. Mm -mm. These three students, even if they got a little extra help along the way... Clearly did most of this stuff themselves, mm -hmm. at least, at least I guess, to the point that we know. They yeah. didn't get this much. I guarantee you they did yeah. not get this they much help. They didn't literally go, you know what? No one held their hand through it. and have a little bit of anxiety about it, but, like, you just hang out, and then, you know, at literally the last second, here is your solution. Yeah. It's, this, I think, is a task that, and maybe, and look, I will, will give her credit on this, maybe, <laughs> that maybe this was intended to be a reality check of, like, Harry's not invincible, and Harry does have some issues, and he needs a lot of help to get through X, Y, and Z. Maybe that was the intention behind her writing this? Yeah, but I also, like, I kind of wish that if that was, like, the intention, that there wasn't the gillyweed reveal with Dobby until, like, Harry's, like, at the lake and, like, I don't know, like... He just appears in the, like, yeah, water. Like, like, if it was, like, Dobby in the lake and was, like... Or if Myrtle had the gillyweed, because I think that would also be, like, a valid... Or one of them points to gillyweed in the lake. Like, there's naturally growing gillyweed somewhere yeah, in the like, lake. And like, it's just take like, that, take that. Take that, chew it. Because, like, if Harry just goes, you know what, like, <clears throat> I don't know what I'm going to do, so I'm just going to swim and... Duck my head underwater every few yeah, minutes. Yeah, and hope and... for the best, and hope that I can, like, at least tread water for 60 minutes. But, like, I kind of wish that she had given us a little bit more of, like, the floundering... Of, like, because what would have it, the, the whole buildup was the, like, what am I going to do? Am I going to go and say I can't do it? Like, and I get that, like, if he didn't have a plan and he goes up there, you don't really want to spend another, like, five pages of, like, them being like, well, it's a legally blinding magical contract, so you have to do it. It would have been nice to kind of see the, like, yep, Harry didn't prepare. Harry decided to not tell people that he wasn't prepared, the people who were helping him, and, like, just decided to, like, not care, and now he has to figure it out. Not to get off the Harry hate, because obviously I have no problems hating on Harry in this <laughs> in this episode. But we did, uh, I just remembered, we didn't say or mention something in the non-spoiler that I do think needs to be mentioned, and that's the Percy Weasley of it all. 
He does step in as a judge. We will get into Percy Weasley a little bit more in the next chapter because he's mentioned. But in this chapter, we do see Percy show quite a bit of concern over Ron in this whole uh, scenario. And Ron pushes him away. Demonstrative. I've personally, I don't know if I'd call it critical of Percy, uh, but I have pointed out some characteristics of Percy that maybe mimic more, and I got a ton of flack for this on this episode, from Molly, Elizabeth, and Anna, all at once. But it was that Percy is showing some signs similar to Albus and Grindelwald when they were having their teen power trips, and that he's withdrawing from family and wanting to climb a chain. Yeah. I'm not, I am not saying Percy is Grindelwald, nor is he Albus. Because <laughs> that is not my point. But my point is that he was showing signs of pulling away from his family in order to climb a, uh, a chain of uh, job Power. status. Yeah. Here is a moment where he steps away from that for a little bit and shows concern for a family member genuinely. I disagree. Really? I do. Okay. I disagree. I think that Percy showing concern for Ron was all for show. Ooh, okay. Because right. he's kind of pulled away from his family in this new role, but... Now, all of a sudden, like, he's not only just, you know, the assistant, he is now taking over as a judge, so he now has, like, more power, and when your brother is trapped at the bottom of the lake, when he comes up, you can't just sit there and be like, all right, 40 points. Interesting. I think so you're that it was putting on like he was putting on a show because he was yeah he part was of the putting on attention. like the caring of the like interesting my brother was part of this I need to make sure he's okay all right because think about it Percy would know that Ron would be a hundred percent okay yeah no that's okay he's privy to all the information so, about the Triwizard Tournament do you then so I guess I wasn't planning on asking you about this but then what do you think about my previous Percy comment about him getting those similar power trip ideas and having some similar characteristics. I can agree with you. What is happening to me today? I agree with you, Dan. I, I, I think that he is... There's something about this chapter, man. I think that he sees his family as, like, a weakness to his career aspirations. Mm -hmm. Because... He, while Arthur works at the ministry, it's not really in a position that's held in any type of esteem. Um, and I'm sure Percy would rather say that his dad doesn't work at the ministry instead of being in what's, like, by most standards, like, an embarrassing mm -hmm. role. And so, like, now he's getting into a position of semi-power. He's working for someone who was in consideration for the Minister of Magic. Mm -hmm. And so when you're around that type of personality, and it's someone who's powerful, and someone who almost became the Minister of Magic, which I'm assuming Percy would, like, aspire to be a sure. Minister of Magic one day, mm -hmm. like, I think you're gonna follow the same path, and you're gonna go, okay, like, Fred and George, they're gonna drag me down. If my, if, like, people at work found out that that's, like, who my brothers were, like, no one's going to take me seriously. And so I think that he kind of separates himself from his family a little bit so that he can keep moving up the ranks and he can be taken seriously and he can gain more power. Um, and not in a 
Grindelwald or like in like, not to that not, level. Yeah, not to that level, but like in a level that like I mean you see it in everyday life that people like get embarrassed by like family members or like friends and kind of separate themselves when it comes to work because they're trying to get higher up the yeah. chain of command. No, I agree. This is weird that we're agreeing a lot I on know. this chapter. What is happening? This is odd. Uh, but we do have more Percy Weasley to talk about next chapter, uh, so we'll get into a little bit of that. What other uh, things do you have on the spoilers? Hagrid. When Harry is talking with Hagrid, Hagrid keeps telling him, I know you're going to win, I know you're going to win. And, like, reading that as someone who's, like, read these books, like, many, many times, and now, like, we've talked a little bit about this on the side before, Dan, that, like, now when we're reading them, when we're getting ready to, like, record these podcasts, it's like... You're More taking, of a critical analysis of yeah, it? Yeah, like, you're, it's like I'm back in, like, AP English in high school, and you're, like, looking at it, and you're like, oh, that's totally foreshadowing right there! And so now going back and reading it, like, the first time you read it, you're like, oh, of course Hagrid thinks he's gonna win. Like, you know, they're buds! But, like, now you go back and you read it, and you're like, it's so ominous. Because all of these people are telling Harry, who literally, like, the only reason people would think that Harry would win this is because, like, you know, he's Harry Potter. But, like, the reality of the situation is, is, like, he doesn't stand a shot in hell. <laughs> right. And then you have Hagrid who's saying, like, you're going to win this. I know it. And, like, when I was rereading Hagrid's this, the only one saying that. Literally, probably everybody else thinks he, like you just said, has zero shot at winning yeah. this. And, but when I was reading it this time, I was like, it feels so ominous to me, knowing that, like, obviously in the end, Harry does win and lose, not the tournament, but, you know. Right. Wins the tournament, (laughs) loses the game of life. Yes. (laughs) Um, But it just felt very ominous that, like, Hagrid, of all people, is telling him, like, you're going to win. I know you're going to win. And, like, thinking about, like, the repercussions of that. And it's, like, think about how Hagrid must feel when Harry, like, does win. And it's the, like, oh, my God, I told him that he was going to win. And, like, all this happened. Interesting. Like, it just felt so ominous to me this time with the, you're going to win. I know you're going to win it. And it's, like, he is. Because the whole thing is a setup. (laughs) Yeah. So that he wins. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're and it's right. It's just like it's one of those that like kind of like sends chills down when you like Ooh, think about you it. You got in a that very way. different vibe from those discussions than than I got. I think Anna and I were talking about it, and I think the first time Hagrid brings up the "you got to win this, Harry," and they're having like this. I don't, I don't think it's in a conversation Harry expected to have, but Hagrid's like unloading like. You didn't have parents growing up. Like, I didn't really have parents growing up. My dad died young. My mom mm-hmm. is not exactly yeah. a motherly figure. Uh, so it's, and they like had this bonding kind of scenario. And then he's like, you got, you got to do this. You got to win this, win this one for me, you know, whatever. And that puts a ton of pressure on Harry to then do well, which sort of kicks in his study habits a bit better, but. Sure. <laughs> well, but I feel like in that conversation like that to me felt more of a like win it for the little guy but this one oh this one in this chapter specifically this one in this chapter specifically is just because that's when Hagrid says you're going to win it not like you've got to win it Mm -hmm. it's a very like I feel you're going to win it and it's just like the thing that like 
sends chills a okay. little bit because that's, it's like that's an interesting take you on know it. that he's gonna win it and all that bad stuff happened our overwhelming thoughts on this chapter if we couldn't have gotten it through on previous comments uh, didn't love this chapter. Didn't love the second test, which kind of disappoints me because I do love the Triwizard Tournament. Yeah. Um, but there's just no way Harry should have ever participated in it's this. It's okay, Dan. We have a chapter that will get a lot of hate from me, which is this one. And we have a chapter that will get a lot of love from me, which is the next one. Oh, she speaks confidently. I do. All right. Well, we, <laughs> Julie will be on next week to talk about chapter 27. Let us know if you have any comments or thoughts on all of the stuff that we talked about, which was significant. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, on Instagram. Give us a review or a comment. Leave us a voice message on Anchor. Yeah. Actually join the conversation with us. Be on the podcast with us by leaving us that voice message on Anchor. is the only place that you can do that. So that being said, we will close it out for Chapter 26. Thank you guys all for listening, and we'll be back next week. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts a Pod.